What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. Bart, week four is uh, almost in the books. As always, we're recording here on Monday night, so we've got the 49ers and the Rams going on as we record, and my boy Jeff Wilson just bust one into the end zone, so I was happy to see that. (laughs) I know you were having some technical difficulties that allowed me to watch that, so thank you so much (laughs) for that. Uh, But I guess you're all good now? Yeah, man, and I was watching on my phone, and I texted you because a couple of my buddies and I bet on Jeff Wilson first touchdown in the game, so that hit. That was nice. That was a about an, almost an eight to one odds there, and um, yeah, for fantasy, I've got Jeff Wilson going in a couple of leagues. One of which, my home league, I'm playing my buddy Billy, who had Jared Goff and T.J. Hawkinson. That Oof. huge stack against me. Yikes! <laughs> so, yeah, and he still has Cooper Cup tonight, and I'm behind. But now I'm pretty close with that Jeff Wilson touchdown. So it's Cup versus Jeff Wilson. I need Jeff Wilson to outscore Cup by a little bit. So we'll see how it plays out. There's a chance I'll outscore him after the touchdown. Yeah, oh, I think, yeah, I, I think a, it's pretty. <laughs> that could be. Yeah, I think it's then. still. I think it's close now. I think it's close. Okay. Yeah, I I'm on the other end. I I have Jeff Wilson in a league I've already won, and I have Cooper Cup in a league where I basically need like a miracle to win. I need Cooper Cup to score 36 fantasy points in non PPR. So it's kind of a tall <laughs> order. But if there's anyone yeah. that could do it, it would be my boy Cooper Cup. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. I don't. I'm not expecting it. The 49ers are a pretty good defense, but. Uh, yep. We'll see what happens. And of course, by the time everyone listens to this, we'll all already know what happened. So we'll, <laughs> we'll move on to uh, to what we already know for sure happened over the weekend. Uh, as yeah, always, um, today's show, we're going to recap all of the weekend's action uh, for fantasy purposes, our biggest takeaways from the games. Uh, and then we will look ahead uh, to the waiver wire and give our top picks at each position. And why don't we just jump right into it? Um, and we'll start as we always do with the Thursday game. I uh, having to think back a little bit there feels like ages ago. It always does, <laughs> but, um, certainly. So this was the, uh, Bengals 27 and the, and the dolphins 15. And of course the big takeaway, uh, for not for fantasy, but just for real life was of the scary to a tag injury that it happened while we were recording actually, mm-hmm. um, on Thursday night. And, uh, I, I mean, I don't. I don't really have anything much to say about that, other than that it's just. Uh, it was. It was really horrifying. Anytime you see that fencing position stuff or anything, it just makes fantasy sports all of a sudden seem kind of uh, like a, like a, 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 not the priority. You know. Yeah, it, I know. It just makes. It makes. I mean, fantasy supposed to be fun, and then when stuff like that happens, that's obviously not fun for anyone. And you hear Mike McDaniel's talking about it afterwards. It's just. Yeah, everyone's just uncomfortable about it. No one wants to talk about it. Um, as far as the game itself, like it was a fairly entertaining game. Um, you know, the Bengals got a good win. Teddy Bridgewater came in and looked decent, you know, and he got the ball to Tyreek Hill, who had 10 catches for 160 yards on 14 targets. So um, this might mean that Tyreek Hill just continues to do his thing. I'm interested to see how Jalen Waddle still does, if he'll get the ball too. Uh, of course, you know, a quarterback coming in kind of mid-game is always – you never kind of know how things will play out, you know, next week, uh, how they'll kind of game plan knowing it's it's Teddy uh, for week uh, five against the Jets. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, Joe Mixon looked good on this on the side for the for the Bengals. Um, good to see him finally find the end zone uh, there. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Bengals, I feel like are a pretty uh, predictable offense for fantasy purposes, which is nice. Uh, Joe Mixon's usage continues to be really 
really good. Uh, his productivity has not been so good, but I, I have to think if he keeps getting this kind of fantastic usage, including a lot of um, a lot of activity in the passing game as well, mm-hmm. that he's going to have some really huge games at some point. Um, and then, uh, you know, on the Dolphin side, I'll just say um, Raheem Mostert. I mean, he he really dominated the snaps in this game at, at running back. Uh, you know, Chase Edmonds ended up getting a touchdown, but uh, he only had almost two. <laughs> what's that? Yeah, two. Almost two. Almost two. Yeah, but he only had twenty yards from scrimmage in this game, uh, and yep. and only seven touches. So Mostert was clearly the lead back. They've actually used Mostert some in the passing game, which is something that he never really did in San Francisco. So. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you and I are both most are true. There's that's not changing anytime soon, but I think I'm starting to get the sense that a lot of other people are, uh, jumping on the most bandwagon this week after, after he, uh, dominated that backfield last weekend. Well, he should be. And we'll talk about him a little bit with waiver wire. Cause he's right at that 50% threshold. Exactly. I'm sure we'll get to him. Exactly. All right. So let's move on to the Sunday games and we will start of course with the, the London game. Uh, <laughs> Which was, uh, I mean, there was controversy around that because Alvin Kamara <laughs> was a, a late scratch. Uh, and, you know, folks who were out on the West Coast, uh, that game started at 6.30 in the morning for them. Uh, if you were in Hawaii at, oh, I don't know, like 4, 4.30 in the morning, something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe even earlier. So um, there was definitely some people who didn't catch this in time and had uh, took, a, took a zero there. Uh, and I know there were some people saying, oh, you should be able to take him out after the fact. I don't believe that. I think you got to no. have rules in place and you can't make exceptions because, you know, then the, someone's going to want an exception when they have a player in a four o'clock game that ends up being a late scratch <laughs> or, and, and it just goes on and on, you know? Yeah, it's a slippery slope. Um, I think you, you posted this in your article on Fantasy Pros. It's like, if you have a rule for it, sure. But like, this is why you need to have good rules for your league. I know in my home league, we add to it every year. We have like this this long, you know, probably three-page document with all sorts of stuff. And if you want to come across something like this, vote on it as a league. But yeah, definitely don't do something like that midseason if you don't have a rule in place. Just take the L, move on. It, it stinks. Yeah, I mean, although I did learn, and you know, I write for Fantasy Pros. I had no idea that they have this feature called Autopilot that uh, you can sign up for. And I don't know if you have to have like a subscription with fantasy pros or what to, to do it, but it actually will automatically sub out inactive players from your lineup. <laughs> nice. And I know they do it on Yahoo. I'm guessing they do it on ESPN and CBS as well. Uh, but that's a, that's a pretty cool little feature there. Um, but, yeah. but in terms of the game itself, I mean, Dalvin cook didn't have a huge fantasy day, but he played like a, a lead back. I mean, Madison, had been getting sprinkled in a little bit anyway, and he was maybe sprinkled in a little more uh, in this game than usual in terms of snaps. But, um, you know, Cook looked fine. I, uh, he's played through these shoulder injuries, so it doesn't – basically it was just reassuring, I think, with Cook that he's he's going to be that RB1 going forward each week. Um, Justin Jefferson has the huge game. Uh you know, I guess he didn't mind facing off against Marshawn Lattimore, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I you know the, the 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 Saints were made this a really competitive game, even though they were missing Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. Uh, they still they still uh, made a battle out of it. Yeah, and they were missing Jameis Winston, so Andy Dalton was back there. They were missing a lot of yep. key pieces, and yeah, this is a this is a good game. Uh, you know it. On paper, I really thought the Vikings were going to win by a touchdown or so. I even bet them as such. I bet them a couple different ways, but 
Um, glad they pulled it off with that double doink at the end. Um, the one thing we haven't mentioned was the Saints running backs. And before the game started, you know, with Kamara out, it was like, okay, Mark Ingram, maybe like an RB2 borderline. I think I, I think he was like my RB34 or so. But uh, Latavius Murray ended up finding the end zone and actually kind of split split carries with Ingram. And he Murray was the one who was getting a lot of like the, the second half look kind of going with the hot hand there. I was not expecting that. Well, Ingram actually came out of the game with an injury. And then I think in the third quarter and then came back in in the fourth. So okay. um, I think that's why Murray ended up getting playing time. But he also looked like the better back when he was in the game. So, um you know, the, the, there's not a mile of difference between Mark Ingram and Latavius Murray at this stage of their careers. So I could see, uh, you know, th- whoever has the hot hand being being better in any particular game. But I'm assuming Ingram probably still holds on to his his normal caddy role behind Kamara going forward. I guess would you uh, would you try to buy low on Kamara? Like I don't know what's going on with his injury. It seems to be lingering. I think was it a rib for him? I know those can be yeah. painful. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got to think they didn't put him on IR. It's got to be a pain issue, and maybe he'll be back next week. But these week-to-week things are tough, especially if you invested a late first, second-round pick in a guy. Yeah. I mean, I still have pretty high hopes for Kamara, uh, maybe a little lower than coming into the year. I do think um, Nick Underhill is like a, a really excellent reporter for the Saints. Um, before it was clear that Kamara wasn't going to play, he was actually saying that Andy Dalton might be a good thing for Kamara's fantasy prospects because he he's more of a check down guy than mm. Jameis Winston is. Um, yep. Of course, that doesn't matter because Kamara ended up missing the game. But I do think that is kind of a little bit of an issue for Kamara. It's just that Jameis is a guy who likes to push the ball down the field more. So um, that maybe limits Kamara's opportunities a little bit. But he's still, you know, low-end RB1, high-end RB2 at worst. Yep. Okay. All right. So then we'll move on to the uh, 1 o'clock Eastern games. We'll start with uh, the Falcons and the Browns. Falcons win this one 23-20. Uh, I believe the Falcons only threw like nine passes. <laughs> no, I guess it was more than that. But uh, 19. 19 passes. Okay. It's still still positively yeah. Chicago Bears-esque. Um, <laughs> yeah. A lot, of, a lot of running in this game. Uh, Cordero Patterson had, had an injury that he left with, and it didn't look that serious at the time. He was kind of smiling on the, on the sidelines. But uh, it turns out he's going on injured reserve, so he's going to miss – uh, four games. It sounds like uh, it's a knee procedure, right? And it should be exactly four games. The expectation, yeah. anyway, is that he'll be back as soon as he's eligible. But uh, that that's interesting because Tyler Algier, who I know you're a big fan of, 10 carries yeah. for 84 yards in this game. Caleb Huntley comes out of nowhere to rush 10 times for 56 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. Uh, he basically just took over late in the game when they were in clock-killing mode and ran all over the Browns. So that, that was interesting yeah. to see as well. Um, what are your takeaways there on the Falcon side? Yeah, I did not know the name Caleb Huntley until <laughs> until I was looking at the box score on this game. Um, well, you know, Drake London, he still got seven targets, which is nice, but he only had two catches for 17 yards. So that was a little bit of a disappointment because I was going into that game. He was just, you know, his arrow was just pointing up. And this to me seems like a little bit of a blip on the radar. I, I'm not, not worried about it, but um, I'm sure a lot of people are pushing the panic button on Kyle Pitts because four targets, one catch for 25 yards, uh, I think he's had one decent game this year, basically. Um, maybe against Seattle, if memory serves correctly. But, yeah, uh, Kyle Pitts is definitely not looking like that guy this year in this offense. And if they're only throwing 19 times a game, I mean, 
Now, again, that might have been a little bit of game plan specific too. So we'll have to see how it goes. But yeah, Kyle Pitts, if I were redrafting today, I'd probably wait till the fifth or sixth round to draft him and might even consider some of these guys like Goddard and Hawkinson in the same area or even above. Pitts. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you're still higher on Pitts than I am then, if that's <clears> the case. I, there's no way I would take him in the fifth or sixth round at this point. Um, mm. he His root participation uh, was 60% in this game, which was actually the lowest he's had all season. So his usage is actually trending in the wrong direction, uh, even though he was coming off, as you mentioned, his his one decent game he's had all year was in week three. He had five catches for 87 yards in that game. But um, he's just not – I mean, they're just not featuring him really as a pass catcher. And as we saw in this game, like they're not p- passing that much in general. But when they do, Mariota is actually throwing the ball downfield a lot, surprisingly, and it's not to Pitts. So, um, yeah, I mean, at this point, I feel like he's just kind of – a borderline tight end one. So I, I certainly <laughs> wouldn't be using a lot of draft capital on him if I was redrafting today. Yeah. Well, the tight end on the other side, David Njoku had another good game, you know, back to back now. Um, Amari Cooper kind of disappeared in this one and he's had two really good games and two bad games this year. So I, I don't know. Like, I feel like Cooper, he does this at times. He's a little bit up and down. Um, like when you look at his end of year numbers, he's probably always like in that wide receiver one or two conversation on average, but he has these up and down weeks, almost like a, like a Tyler Lockett or something when he was in Seattle. I've always felt like, like Cooper's a really good player, but I don't know. He, he has these disappointing games. So, um, I'm not, he'll, he'll I'm not back. so concerned about that. I mean, I did get burned on this. I, I had him quite above consensus this week coming off those two great games in a row, but I still think he's their clear alpha. I mean, he was matched up with AJ Terrell in this game and it just seemed like they went away from it. You know, they only targeted him four times in this game. That's that's probably going to go down as like his season low for targets. So uh, yeah. I wouldn't sweat that too much. And, and again, remember, if you're looking at it from a season-long perspective, like he's eventually going to be catching passes from Deshaun Watson uh, heading into the fantasy playoffs. So uh, if anything, I would be buying Cooper coming off of this, this slow game. I think he's definitely an every week wide receiver too i mean it's just that's what happens with wide receiver twos like sometimes they'll have a slow game even wide receiver ones will sometimes um yeah but ninjoku i mean I, like i would take him over pits at this point probably <laughs> yeah i mean if you had both of those guys you're definitely starting in joku i just think like if i was redrafting today I, I think i would still take pits just with the upside hope but yeah i mean it's a weekly game you've got to You've got to start guys like Njoku over Pitts in the short term, at least, until things turn around. Well, and it's not like Njoku lacks upside either. I mean, he's a physical True. specimen. The guy is super talented and super fast and super strong. I mean, like, he's another guy that breaks the tight end position. He's not. He hasn't been as ballyhooed as Kyle Pitts, but, like, you know, I, I he's, he's an intriguing prospect, so... Well, Nick Chubb found the end zone, which I was very happy about. On uh, Saturday, I posted my favorite anytime touchdown bets. Chubb, Eckler, Jamal Williams. I bet them all sorts of different ways, parlayed them together, etc. They all hit. So, had a good weekend. A lot of running backs found pay dirt, so that was that was nice. And Nick Chubb, I'm looking at my week five rankings already, and I might have him up at number one. I, I, even though he doesn't have like the pass catching you know, in his repertoire very often, I think I might rank him number one against the Chargers. Yeah, well, five. he's number one in fantasy points for the season among running backs yeah. in half PPR. So the the lack of passing uh, pass catching isn't really hurting him so much so far. I mean, nope. this is just a great offensive line, a great running team. They're always going to pound the rock. So the fact that Hunt gets in there too, 
isn't really a big concern. Um, and yeah, I mean, in a year where running backs have generally disappointed, like Nick Chubb has been exactly what you would want him to be. Yep. Um, so moving on to the next game, the Cowboys 25 and the Commanders 10. Uh, as as expected, that Cowboy defense gave Carson Wentz all kinds of problems. <laughs> uh, he did throw two interceptions. Uh, he only took two sacks. I, I was actually expecting even more sacks, but <laughs> yeah. um, lots of frantic uh, throwing the ball away at the last second in this game by, by Wentz. Uh, that Cowboy defense is excellent uh really ferocious i i feel like they're the most uh they they probably have the best pass rush in the nfl um so uh that that combined with uh carson wentz was a recipe for uh a lot of uh (laughs) turnovers and sacks on on the washington side um so yeah it was pretty much a down day across the board for washington uh you know it's Jahan dotson found a way to get in the end zone again he always seems to but um, you know, he still only saw four targets, so he's clearly behind uh, Curtis Samuel uh, and Terry McLaurin in terms of uh, target share. But he, he uh, and now he's dealing with a hamstring injury. He's going to miss a week or two as well. But um, yeah, w- what are your thoughts on that or the or the Dallas side? Yeah, I was going to say the big things you mentioned the injury to Dotson. I think the big takeaways here really are not necessarily from the game, but just looking forward. You know, Gibson didn't look good. His snap shares were down. Uh, Brian Robinson could be activated as early as next week or this week rather yep. right so they have time he hasn't been like i guess they've activated him or they have time to uh, fully activate him so it's not official yet but like if you see news that brian robinson is like practicing and he's off the pup list gibson i mean gibson's already sliding down my rest of season rankings i won't rank him in my top 30 uh for next week if brian robinson is active so right but just something but gibson you know. lost snaps to jonathan williams in this game so he's already losing right. snaps even Without Brian yeah. Robinson, because I don't really think Brian Robinson will play until week seven. Uh, they, they play on a Thursday night in week six. So uh, unless they want to rush him back in right away for week five, uh, they'll probably sit him these next two weeks. Usually when guys are coming back from an extended absence like that, they like to activate them first so they can practice with the team before they mm. actually put him in a game. So I think it's a couple more weeks. But like you said, Gibson's error is already pointing down regardless. Yep. Either way, and um, on the you know on the Dallas side, I was kind of disappointed to see Tony Pollard. You know, eight carries for six yeah. yards. Like that was very disappointing because he looked so good the week before and just one catch. So that was kind of a shocker to me. Um, Michael Gallup came back. He found the end zone as well. C.D. Lamb scored. So you know, Cooper Rush has been has done fine. Uh, what with Dak out and Dak could be out uh, back as early as next week. So we'll see. Um, I think it might be one more week since Cooper Rush is doing just fine there. I don't think they have reason to rush Dak back. Yeah, Cooper Rush has been excellent. I, I actually, I believe he's, I think I saw something like he's the first first quarterback in Cowboy history to start his career 4-0 or something. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's been really he's been really good. Um, I have him in the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, I haven't been starting him because Daniel Jones has also been good. But, yeah, um, but yeah he's, been, he's been really solid. And uh, he's definitely kept all their pass catchers happy. Uh, yep. I thought it was interesting that Michael Gallup caught. I mean, he caught a touchdown, sure, and he only, but he only had 24 yards. But the the thing is, he he came right back into a full time role, mm-hmm. which I was not expecting. I thought they would ease him in, uh, but he went right back to being a pretty much every down player uh, in this offense. So uh, I'm really excited for Michael Gallup. I think 
Noah Brown's played really well, and he played well again in this game. But I think it's clear that Gallup is ahead of him uh, on the totem pole and uh, is going to be a player you can consider starting in fantasy every single week. Yep, I agree. All right. So next game is the scoring bonanza of all scoring bonanzas, which usually (laughs) happens when the Lions are involved. Uh, Seahawks 48 and the Lions 45. And I feel like these are two of the teams that are just kind of breaking fantasy football this year. Like there's just no one saw this coming (laughs) with these teams. Um, Maybe a little bit with the Lions, but not uh, not to this extent. I mean, Jared Goff is currently the quarterback five on the season now. Um, And I believe with this performance that Geno Smith is now also (laughs) a top 10 quarterback on the season in fantasy football (laughs) so if that was on your bingo card congratulations but um i mean both of these teams i mean this this was kind of shocking just because the lions were missing so many players i mean they were missing amon ross st brown they were missing deandre swift they were missing dj chark and it didn't matter they still (laughs) you know jerry goff still threw for 378 yards and four touchdowns it just seems like now you know next week they're getting the patriots so that's going to be more of a challenge but this team is like the ultimate carnival ride right now. Yeah, and like Jared Goff, uh, when we talked on Thursday, I said, I think I said, uh, or at least in my rankings, it reflected he was up right up there, like as a QB one for me. If Amon Ross St. Brown played, well, once you, all those guys, you know, fell off, Chark as well. I think I lowered him to like seventeen or eighteen because I was like, no way, I didn't see him having this scoring bonanza like you said with with all everything going to Hawkinson. So, yeah, in my home league, I was disappointed to see that since I was facing him. On the Seahawks side, uh, I started Rashad Penny over our guy, J.K. Dobbins, who we'll talk about in a little bit. And I was a little upset at first because Dobbins, you know, had a pretty good game, but then Penny did even better. Uh, Penny had a really good game on the ground, uh, broke off a couple big rushes, a couple touchdowns. Yeah, how much do you believe in that, though? Because to me, that felt a little bit flukish. Like, it was just a couple, like, huge runs where it was almost like the defense didn't play contain. And I mean, the Lions (laughs) do have the worst defense in the NFL, so... Uh, you know, do we feel like Rashad Penny is back in like every week RB two status for at this point? Uh, for right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna I think RB two is fine. Yeah, like low end RB two because he's getting most of the work here too. You know, like Ken Walker is not really doing much. Uh, Travis Homer's hurt, so yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like that one that he bounced to the outside, like there was just no one there, and <laughs> he just ran it, you know, forty yards or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's gonna be matchup dependent a little bit too. You know, if they're playing. If they're playing someone like the 49ers, like we're looking at tonight, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, because I felt pretty gross about the Seahawks backfield coming into this game. And I don't want to like completely change my mind just based on them facing yep. the Lions, you know? Um, I will say, though, Geno Smith, that's just two straight 300 yard passing games for him. And we know mm-hmm. they have great wide receivers. I mean, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, that's as good as a one two punch as you're going to find, really, in the league. And uh, I don't know. Pete Carroll like seems to be letting Geno Smith throw the ball more than he ever <laughs> let Russell Wilson, which is kind <laughs> of surprising. But uh, maybe this is a trend. I mean, th- this is another team that has a really bad defense, so uh, they could be involved in a lot of shootouts as well. And um, this this seems like really good news for Metcalf and Lockett. Uh, you know, I wrote about Metcalf in my in my column because we had talked about how he was going to Okuda Island, but uh, as it yeah. turned out, um, <clears throat> looking into that more, I mean, first of all, 
it wasn't, you know, Okuda wasn't really shutting guys down. And Metcalf actually pointed that out in his press conference (laughs) before the game um, that he was getting safety help and things like that. Um, But the other thing is Metcalf is so talented that he always destroys man coverage and the Lions play more man than any team in the league. So, um, you know, if you want to try to lock him down with a a corner, he's probably going to win that matchup because that's just how good DK Metcalf is. Well, I saw Mike Clay also from ESPN tweeted today that Okuda, it wasn't actually Okuda Island after like viewing the tape and everything. I know he does his cornerback matchup article, so he's he's looking at all that, and uh, it it looked like Okuda actually didn't shadow him like he did Justin Jefferson and some other guys. So mm-hmm. why they did that? Maybe it was a size thing. Maybe <laughs> I don't know what it was. Um, but I, I'd like to see the numbers as like versus Okuda versus not. But well, in any event, Metcalf had a good game. That makes sense because actually in, in week one, Okuda did not shadow aj brown he shadowed devonta smith so maybe maybe the size is a factor there yeah um but i will just go back to the lions a little bit because there's a lot of moving parts there so i feel like that's an opportunity where you can kind of learn some things like josh reynolds had a really nice game and um i sort of wonder if he uh because that's actually two good games in a row for him uh i sort of wonder if if he can kind of just hold on to that number two pass catcher behind Amon Ross St. Brown in this offense. Uh, you know, DJ Chark hadn't done a whole lot this season so far. So that's something to keep an eye on because, like we said, there's going to be passing numbers to be had here. And then Hawkinson, like, yeah, he's not going to put up these kind of numbers when um, Swift and Amon Ra are back. But at the same time, like, this is such a great offense to be in and the bar to be a top five tight end is very low. So like, I, I think Hawkinson just based on this one game, he he's now second in the NFL in receiving yards among tight ends behind Kelsey. <laughs> so one yard ahead yeah. of Mark Andrews, just based on one game. So that just kind of tells you everything you need to know about tight end. I feel like. Yeah. And I'm not going to doubt Jared Goff again. I know that Seattle's defense is not great. I mean, a lot of people saw this game being an over being maybe one of the highest games of the week. Um, maybe not this high, uh, but still, like Jared Goff, he's going to be in my top 12 quarterbacks. If he travels to New England next week, I'm just not going to be afraid of that matchup either. So, mm. yeah, Goff. I'm going to have to think regardless. About yeah, Goff, honestly. Reg- I'm, I mean, I guess it's not the fast track of Ford Field, but yeah. I'm, he's going to be in my top 12. I just think, yeah, I'm going to have to think about that. He, that's borderline for me because, I mean, the Patriots have a really good defense and they also have a you know junky offense so like that's not gonna be they're not really great for uh game script for the opposing team to be passing the ball a lot but i guess that is is the lion's bread and butter especially uh without swift around so we'll see yeah. uh next game tennessee 24 indianapolis 17 uh struggles continue for the colts uh jonathan taylor has a pretty nightmarish game, 20 carries for 42 yards, and then he gets hurt. Um, The reports come out that the Colts fear it's a high ankle sprain. Everybody panics, and now it sounds like it's not a high ankle sprain. And uh, he even (laughs) has some chance of playing this week, even though they're playing on Thursday. I would guess he probably doesn't play this week, but it sounds like a one-week absence is probably what we're looking at here. Yeah, and we'll, maybe we should talk about some of the maybe backup running back options uh, in waiver wire because they play Thursday night, so short week is a tough turnaround there. Um, you know, on the Tennessee side, I think the big, my big takeaway is Derrick Henry led the team in targets. Rushing, of course, but five targets. Uh, caught three passes for 33 yards, and I mean, Derrick Henry, you know, if he can get some some of those catches too, I mean, he could be number one overall running back. Well, that happened He's the previous week too. He, he caught yeah. five passes the previous week. So, uh, yeah, yep. it does seem like... 
I mean, this team just doesn't have a lot going for it right now, Tennessee. And um, now Traylon Burks has turf toe, and he's going to be out for a few weeks. So now they have yep. even less in terms of playmakers in this offense. So they know where their bread is buttered. Their their bread is buttered with Derrick Henry. And if, if they fall behind in a game, they, they're still going to have to find the way to get the ball in his hands, whether it's, uh, you know, just little little dump-off passes or whatever it is. Just get the ball in his hands and let him run people over, you know? Yeah, Robert Woods might be someone you could flex, uh, especially with Burks out. He, you know, you, you might see him with five, six, seven targets. Um, he he did have a touchdown in this one, I believe, right? Yeah, so yeah. it was early touchdown. So just to flex at best, I guess, because of, yeah, it's it's Derrick Henry. But No, I mean, I, I actually have uh, Woods listed in my waiver wire notes, even though he's in the 60% range. But that's still mm. pretty low for a guy who's clearly going to be the number one receiver in his offense. Um, yep. And I, I will just quickly say the Colts continue to be ridiculous with their tight ends. Last week, Johnny Woods had two touchdown catches. This week, it was Mo Ali Cox. Next week, it's sure to be Kylan Granson. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I want to see some more Michael Pittman, like like we saw in week one. Like, he needs to bounce back. They played. No, he's your boy, at, man. He is. And at Denver, the quick, like I said, the quick turnaround. I, I don't really have high hopes for him this week. That's going to be a tough matchup. So, yeah, that often. I mean, I saw someone post on Twitter that that Matt Ryan is uh, is worse worse than late career Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz were for the Colts. So that, oh, gosh. that's that's not pretty what's going on in Indianapolis right now. Nope. Uh, next game, Giants 20, Bears 12. In the ma- in the matchup of shocking two and one teams, the Giants prevail and move to three and one. Uh, that NFC East is apparently the best division in football, at least according to record it is right now. Um, yeah. You know where do you want to where do you want to start with this one? I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about with like on the on the Giants side. You know, Daniel Jones actually had two rushing touchdowns to to save his day. He only passed the ball 13 times. Saquon continues to be an RB one, and there were no receivers that you could <laughs> trust. I mean, we weren't trusting any receivers going into the game, so there's not really a whole lot to say. I was saying stash Kadarius Tony. I don't even think he was active in, uh, for the game. He's he's a little bit banged up, so. I don't know. I guess you could still stash Kadarius Tony, but I don't know how long you want to do that. I still have him stashed in one league. I mean, it, it just seems like he's the he and Wandale Robinson are the only guys left with any juice in that in that receiving core. I mean, you know, Richie James and David Sills like came back down to earth <laughs> this week. They're just they're like deep league PPR options at best, you know. So yeah. you really do hope that Tony. Uh, gets back in there but Jones I mean Daniel Jones is underrated for fantasy because of his rushing ability like he's not yeah you know people don't often associate him with as being a big running quarterback but he really is and uh, including in the red zone as we saw in this game so uh, he's he's like borderline QB one for the season now <laughs> I think people associate him with tripping uh, not so much the running part yeah right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I think he's like, uh, you know, he's currently the QB 13 on the year. So, uh, yeah. everything we knew was wrong. Basically, uh, Justin Fields <laughs> was the one who was supposed to be more like that. Um, you know, paying the, paying the fantasy bills with his rushing ability and doing some passing as well. He did throw a season high 22 passes in this game. <laughs> Still not a very high number though. Completed half of them for 174 scoreless yards. And yeah, I mean, it's just ugly. I mean, Darnell Mooney did catch four balls for 94 yards. So I guess people that cut him can regret it a little bit, but 
they don't have to regret it much because it's just no. it's not this isn't really a sign of anything to come i don't think no i mean if you stash them it's it's a nice positive sign right like a lot of people were cutting darnell mooney i think he's like 60 percent rostered or something now so um he might be a guy that people will pick back up um just to see what happens but i still wouldn't like just get him back in and play him even after this game you know yeah just i still feel like the upside there. is at best wide receiver three so it's nothing yeah. it's nothing to lose sleep over Yep. All right. Uh, next game, we've got the Eagles 29, the Jaguars 21. Uh, this was a much-anticipated matchup of two surprisingly good teams. Uh, the weather ended up being a factor in this game. Uh, the remnants of Hurricane Ian, it was very wet. And, it uh, you know, playing in Philadelphia is never an easy thing to do. I mean, it's they've got some of the loudest and most aggressive fans <laughs> home fans in, in the NFL um, and so there was gonna be a tough one anyway for Trevor Lawrence I had him way down in my rankings this week even though I really do believe he's breaking out this year um, but I think I had him outside of my top 20 quarterbacks this week uh, just because Philly is number one against in adjusted fancy points a lot of quarterbacks uh, coming into this game and then with the weather too it just it was a perfect storm for Trevor Lawrence to struggle and struggle. He did four fumbles and an interception. So five total turnovers, Mm. uh, really brutal. Um, And, you know, the game script got away. The Jaguars got out to a 14, nothing lead, but then uh, Philly stormed back and was leading 2014 at half. And um, it was interesting to see the Jags play with a deficit because they've, they've had the lead most of the time so far this year. And with the deficit, Travis Etienne definitely got more snaps uh, than he had been getting um, in the in the first three games. So that's something that we thought might be possible, and this sort of confirmed it, that um, James Robinson, it's going to be a little bit game script dependent, I think. Yeah, I um, wanted to point out Zay Jones was inactive for this one. Uh, Jamal Agnew actually had a couple touchdowns in this one. Hmm. When we were talking about this on Thursday, I was like, you know, I could see some trick play or Zay Jones throwing a touchdown pass. And, you know, Jamal Agnew is kind of this shifty guy who, who found his way into the end zone twice. So um, I wouldn't you know read too much into that like people will look at box scores and pick guys up but just kind of like Matt Collins last week I'm you know don't don't chase a guy that has like an opportunity one week and may not the next um yeah and actually that also hurt Christian Kirk a little bit I think because uh Agnew is he's just a small receiver so he's he profiles for the slot um so with Zay Jones out uh they move Christian Kirk outside and they put Agnew in the slot so Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those slot looks are often high percentage targets. And for a guy like Kirk, you can really rack up a lot of catches in that role. So I think some of that went to Agnew in this game. Yeah, and Kirk still got the other yeah, the targets. But yeah, just wasn't really as productive uh, with him. I think, you know, we said start your Eagles. Devonta Smith had a little bit of a bad game. But all the other Eagles pretty much did what you wanted them to do. On the, on the Jacksonville side, I think the interesting thing was Travis Etienne and uh, James Robinson. I don't know if... They're starting to split a little bit more, but because I don't have like the numbers in front of me as far as yeah, I was just you know, talking the percentages. About you must oh, yeah. <laughs> I missed the percentage. What were what were the percentages of the two? Uh, well, I know in the second half the snaps went decisively towards ETN. I think for the game it was uh, I'll pull it up right now. It was pretty even. Um, so pretty even for the game. I think that's yeah, it was fifty one percent for ETN, forty seven percent for Robinson. So first time this year, actually that's not true. ETN did slightly out snap Robinson in week one as well, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, to me, it's just a it's just a matter of game script. I mean, ETN is getting more snaps in long downs and distances, two minute drill, third third downs, um, hurry up offense, all that kind of stuff. Pat, obvious passing situations. So, um, 
that's just something to keep an eye on, I think, with uh with Well, some game game script, but I mean, just keep in mind too, like he is still technically kind of like a rookie, right? He missed all of last year. So, we see some of these rookies, you know, sometimes take a little time to get going and get and get the trust and all that. They don't often start right right there from week 1 and get that big workload. Sometimes it's week 2, sometimes it's week 5. So, you know, we could be seeing a change changing of the guard a bit in the coming weeks is I'm more you know, skeptical potential. of that. I I I don't think this is quite the same as like the Jets situation with Brees Hall and Michael Carter because James Robinson was just so so good last season for this team. So, um I, and he's been so good this season when given the opportunity too. So, I'm not sure yeah. ETN is um is going to come and just take the job from Robinson, but I do think that they're both going to continue to play and I think it's going to be it's going to be different roles, you know, different it's neither of them is going to run away with uh with the job and be a bell cow, I don't think. Yep. But we'll see. Um any other thoughts on on the Eagles? You you kind of ran through it, I guess. Um they just I kinda, they just did I kind of breezed things. over I mean, them. They've just been such a good such a powerhouse offense this year. I mean Miles Sanders, what can you say? 27 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, he he had a great game. I thought he was going to do this last week when they had the lead, and, you know, he didn't, but he's and really, you know, Kenny Gainwell found the end zone. Boston Scott was inactive, but he probably would have scored too. I mean, just the the, the running game for for Philly, they're just they're just looking really good. Um, starting off four zero, we'll see as maybe the the schedule gets a little tougher. We'll see if they continue to just you know roll teams over like this. Um, yeah, it was still interesting. hard to tell kind of who's good and who's bad. You know, after four weeks. Well, I think their defense is for real, and I think Jalen Hurts is for real. I think their receivers yeah. are for real. I mean, their running game. Maybe it is. I mean, maybe this is finally Miles Sanders' opportunity that he's been waiting for to to really be a featured back. I mean, Kenny, Kenneth Gainwell's snap count actually went down in this game. They they mixed Trey Sermon in on early downs with Boston Scott out. So, uh, you know, Gainwell I think is pigeonholed a little bit as a pass catching back uh, and isn't really the handcuff to Sanders if if people are looking for that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next game we've got the. Oh, this was an interesting one. Jets 24, Steelers 20. It was the return of Zach Wilson and the debut of Kenny Pickett. So yeah, a <laughs> uh, lot, lot of changes with these two teams. Um, and I guess the question always with that is how does it affect the receivers, right? And uh, yeah, on the Steelers side, uh, with Pickett taking over at halftime, I mean, he peppered uh, George Pickens with targets and Pat Fryermuth mm-hmm. with targets in the second half of that game. Um, I'm not going to take too much away from that. Like, I still think Deontay Johnson is going to be the number one target uh, in this offense, but I could certainly see Pickens um, developing a rapport with Pickett that kind of puts a fair amount of distance between him and Chase Claypool as the number two receiver in this offense. And uh, and Fryermuth has just been pretty consistent, um, low end tight end one all season. So uh, it's not surprising to see him have another decent game. Well, with with Pickett, I just want to point out, like I know we're gonna we're gonna get into waiver wire a bit, but I don't have him as a top five quarterback waiver wire pickup for me. If you want to stash him and somehow have the room, sure, he's only five percent rostered. But like, he plays at Buffalo in week five, then Tampa week six. Like, I don't know, man. He he does have a little bit of the rushing upside. You know, he had two touchdowns here, which is great. But even just I saw someone tweet earlier about like his rushing upside, kind of similar to like a Daniel Jones. Right, he gives you a little bit extra with your legs based on his college production. Let's say we don't really know what he's going to do in the NFL, but he has a kind of sneaky uh, rushing upside that no one really factors in. But that could be good. But I don't know. As a short-term fix, I, there are other options. We'll talk about who I like a lot better than Pickett. Yeah, I mean, I 
I was kind of not too high on Pickett coming out. Um, I thought he was like a first-round pick because there weren't a lot of good quarterbacks in this class, and he had the connection to Pittsburgh, um, and they they decided to take the leap on him, you know, around pick 20 or something like that. So it's not like he's this, like, you know, Trevor Lawrence-esque prospect or anything like that. Um, I do think the fantasy game could translate a little bit, though. Like you said, the fact he runs. He also is not afraid to throw the deep ball. Um, so he could, I mean, he threw three picks in this game and that, that could be something that happens, but, um, I think it's also not bad news for the receivers that, uh, he's taking right. over cause he's, he's going to be willing to chuck the ball around a little bit. Um, and, uh, I don't know in terms of, well, yeah, we can talk about more in waiver wire, but I, you know, there's the allure of the unknown with Pickett. I feel like if you're picking up a quarterback to just stash on your bench, like I'd rather stash a guy like him that at least has some plausible upside as opposed to like you know, Matt Ryan or something, or, you know, I don't know, or like um, even like Marcus Mariota, somebody that you just kind of know what they are, you know? Yeah, I think he's a better stash than a guy you want to play in the next couple weeks, for sure. Yeah, exactly. You definitely don't want to play him him against Buffalo. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. On the Jets side, we talked about Brees Hall kind of taking over um, this this committee with Michael Carter. He found the end zone on one that, man, it was almost a fumble. You know, he kind of reached out and got dislodged, but it broke the plane. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think <laughs> I mentioned last week, it would have been a good buy low opportunity. You know, if you could sell Antonio Gibson plus a receiver and get Brees Hall, um, that buy low boat buy low window may have shut, but if not, you know, I'd still try to go out there and buy Brees Hall. Yeah. I mean, you know, he only had 78 yards from scrimmage and, a t- and he did score that touchdown, but his numbers don't really jump off the page. I mean, 3.9 yards per carry in this game. Um, but the usage, yeah, I mean. Yeah, six targets. Uh, six tar- twice as many targets as Michael Carter and almost twice yep. as many carries. So it seems like it's that it is moving in that direction. Um more towards like a 60-40, maybe even a 65-35 committee. Uh and it could go even further because they did invest uh highly in in Hall. So and uh yep. as far as Zach Wilson goes, I mean he was really bad in the first half and he was not so bad in the second half and he brought them back and they won the game so um you know i i don't know i like people were kind of thinking this offense is going to fall apart with wilson taking over for joe flacco and i i thought that was a little bit overblown it's not like joe flacco is joe namath you know um (laughs) so i you know i i think that um it's it's just it continues to be interesting how the three receivers coexist with the jets because uh, Corey Davis was the one who had the best game this week. And, you know, Garrett Wilson's the one who's flashed the big game so far. Elijah Moore was the one who's supposed to be the best one coming into the season. So it's been very hard to figure out. I'm not sure this game gives us a ton of clarity on the situation either. No, not really. And I think if if you spend a lot of fab on Garrett Wilson, you're definitely disappointed here. Um, but maybe this is a buy-low opportunity for Elijah Moore because, yeah, he, he was the guy uh, last year. So... I don't know. It, it, you're right. It's not. It's not clear. I don't want to like. I don't want to say it's a buy low. It's a buy sell high for any of them right now because it's it's really unclear. But Corey Davis continues to produce, which is interesting. And he's the one you can get for cheap. free, as we'll talk about in the yep. waiver. Yeah. All right. Next game: Bills twenty three, Ravens twenty. This is another game that was affected by Hurricane Ian. Um, not quite as much of a shootout as um, people were probably hoping for. Fantasy managers were hoping for. Um, but it was a good game, and um, 
yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't feel like you can take that much away from from this game, just given the way the weather was. But I do think J.K. Dobbins, who we mentioned earlier, that's kind of like the big takeaway of this game, uh, that, oh, yeah. that he really finally went back to being the lead back that you and I have both been eagerly anticipating <laughs> since the beginning <laughs> of the season. Uh, Justice Hill also got uh, banged up in this game and could miss a little bit of time. So that's going to just further um, – you know, settle in Dobbins as the uh, as the RB one in Baltimore, an RB two in fantasy. I would say with RB one upside. Yeah, we'll point out Gus Edwards is eligible to come off the pup himself uh, here soon. They might ease him back in in the coming weeks, kind of like they did with Dobbins. So just another one to keep an eye on, like with the Brian Robinson situation. Just see what happens with Gus Edwards. And and hey, if you can stash him, uh, or if you haven't already, I have him stashed in a league where I have J.K. Dobbins. It, it doesn't hurt. I mean, you never know what will happen with the usage there. Yeah, no, I've had I've had Gus Edwards on, on one of my IR spots in a league uh, since the, my draft. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on the, ball, on the Buffalo side, I should say, a uh, few interesting tidbits here. One, De- uh, Devin Singletary played 87% of the running back snaps. Uh, He continues to just separate himself, uh, surprisingly, Mm -hmm. from um, not so much surprising that he's separating from Zach Moss, but they really have not been uh, working in the rookie James Cook much at all so far this season, and that doesn't seem like it's happening right now. Um, So Singletary, he's kind of, you know, I was slow to warm to him, but I think he's definitely in that low-end RB2, uh, high-end RB3 range every single week at this point. Um, And then... Also, uh, Jamison Crowder broke his ankle in this game hmm. and is going to yep. probably be out. I don't know if he'll be out the whole season, but he'll be out for a long time. So, I, you know, I love me some Isaiah McKenzie, and he, he actually suffered a con- concussion in this game. So he might miss a week, but I think Isaiah McKenzie is a great uh, ad. I think he's going to be a wide receiver three himself. Um Absolutely. And Khalil Shakir in a deeper league will be a good ad as well, just because we saw what they did with Crowder and McKenzie. And, you know, we could see some more manufactured touches for the rookie Shakir. But yes, uh, totally agree with you. I mean, McKenzie, uh, we'll see when we get to the, there to the waiver wire part. I think I might have him as my number one receiver pickup of the week. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because like last season, Cole Beasley was the second most valuable receiver in Buffalo um, for most of the year because Gabe Davis mm-hmm. was the fourth receiver, and Emmanuel Sanders uh, played the role that Davis is in now, and he didn't do very much in that role, you know. And then they unleashed uh, Gabe Davis in the playoffs, but uh, Davis has only had four games in the last since the beginning of the twenty twenty one season where he's had over fifty receiving yards. So he's his target shares have been really low, and I know he's been dealing with an ankle injury, but. Um, he hasn't earned those targets from Josh Allen. I, I think there's definitely a, a possibility that McKenzie even overtakes Davis in terms of uh, in terms of role in this offense. Definitely a possibility. Yeah. Um, on the Ravens side, uh, Mark Andrews had a very quiet day, but you know I wouldn't wouldn't worry about him. Obviously, moving forward, not like I, not like I would be worried about a Kyle Pitts. Um, Devin Duvernay had five targets, had four for fifty one, and he's a name to know. I mean, if most people already know Devin Duvernay because he's actually been catching a lot of touchdowns. They had like a two-touchdown pretty... game, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's been pretty productive so far. So Rashad Bateman's a little bit dinged up. It sounds like he might miss a week or two. Yeah. So Duvernay's a name to know when they play Sunday Night Football against the Bengals next week. Yeah, I mean, because this game was in bad weather. They were facing the Bills, who have one yeah. of the best defenses in the league. So, you know, you can't really take that much away from it. But, yeah, it, if, if – uh, 
Bateman is out, Duvernay would seem to be a, the logical replacement for him. I mean, he's one big play. You know, I mean, he's he'll he'll get some targets, but he's also that one big play away from just giving you a nice maybe a, maybe that win. You know, that you, on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> I mean, he and Bateman seem pretty similar in that regard to me. And and honestly, yeah. Bateman was the replacement for Marquise Brown, who seems similar to that too. It's the same kind of receiver. You know, it's yep. uh, not a big guy, uh, but a guy that can get deep, break that big play, and uh, that's kind of what the Ravens were looking for. Uh, all right, so then we've got the Chargers 34, the Texans 24, and uh, Keenan Allen misses this game uh, with that hamstring injury continuing to hold him out, but Josh Palmer, not a factor. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mike Williams has another big big day. Gerald, Gerald Everett, another nice game. Um, those two seem to be the big beneficiaries whenever Allen is out of the lineup. Uh, and then, of course, Austin Eckler, three touchdowns in this game. So you kept asking me if I was panicking on Austin Eckler. I kept saying no. And now this is this is it. You know, this is what he is. Yep. I mean, like he's not their primary red zone running back, but like he can get he can get touchdowns from 15, 20 yards out. And they're going to be scoring so many points this offense like I still think he's going to score like last year he had 20 touchdowns that was never going to happen again but I still think he'll get around 10 you know and yeah. like meanwhile every game he's catching passes every game he's rushing efficiently so he kind of cobbles his way to at least 100 scrimmage yards every single week so he's he's just an every week RB1 you know he's not he doesn't have like league winning upside necessarily although he did in this game but um, but it's just this is just a reminder not to panic about Austin Eckler, I think. Yeah, he did in this game, and you're right. No, no need to panic. Um, he should have done it against the Texans. Everybody's doing it against the Texans, and so I, I was glad to see it, and I would point out that next week the Jags are at home for the Texans, so we talked about James Robinson, Travis Etienne. Like, you're going to want to start both of those guys, I think. I mean, I think they both could get work and both find the end zone against these Texans. That could be a really nice uh, bounce back game for, for James Robinson in particular. I'll have him. I'm going to go right back to ranking him as an RB1 for that game, I think. Yep. Um, on the Texan side, I'll just say, like, you know, Damian Pierce, just to continue talking with running backs, he just continues to get the workload. I don't think – looks like Rex Burkhead didn't even have a catch. I mean, just like we've said, you know, Burks, Burkhead was involved in the passing game. He had five catches. He even had a touchdown. Uh, your guy, Brandon Cooks, who you just traded for, you were right. I said I was not I was a little bit down on him last week. Um, but he found he found the end zone as and well. He almost had Nico another Collins. touchdown catch too. Who did? He almost Cooks almost had a second touchdown catch. Oh really? Yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's good. Good for that. That you you had a nice buy low window. You made it happen. So yeah, Brandon Cooks. You know, it's it's good to see because I, I like Brandon Cooks. He's a solid he's a solid contributor week after week. No one ever wants to like draft a Brandon Cooks. It seems like the last couple of years, but he just has produced and he wasn't yet. But this is a good good bounce back game here. Yeah, and. As far as Pierce goes, like he broke off a 75 yard touchdown run, which certainly inflated his numbers a bit. But, yeah. um, but the key for me is not that the key is the usage, you know, that the fact they continue to run the ball, they continued to, to give him snaps, even though they were down 27 to seven at halftime in this game. Um, you know, because that was the concern I had with Pierce is like if they fall behind, are they just gonna? play Burkhead the whole time because he's like the third right. down and two minute back and all that um and they didn't they they stayed true to their offense um even though they were down a lot and they did lose the game so you could say maybe maybe it didn't work for them but um 
you know, I think they recognize Damian Pierce is is a talented player, and they don't want to completely phase him out of the game plan when they're when they're behind. So, um, and and you know, it's not to say he can't catch passes himself. You know, he caught six ca- balls in this game. They granted it was for yeah. eight yards, but <laughs> um, but he can catch the ball. So, uh, yeah, I, I you know, I thought this was an encouraging game overall for Damian Pierce. Yeah, and I'm moving him up in my rest of season rankings because of that usage. Like, I, I think if if they want to commit to him and this is what he does all year, I'm I'm going to keep moving him up. I mean, it's just really key because I expect the Texans to have a lot more games like this than they than yeah. like their early games were all these kind of low scoring slugfests. And I don't, I mean, they're bad defense. So <laughs> when they play good teams like the Chargers, they're going to fall behind in games. I think. Yeah. All right. Next game: Cardinals 26, Panthers 16. These no. offenses just so <laughs> gross, man. Like, um, I you know I don't know I I guess the the Cardinals we can start with because they're like a little less gross. But uh, <laughs> Kyler Murray is still not putting up big rushing numbers, but he did throw two touchdowns in this game, and he actually did run the ball twelve times. It just was only for twenty six yards, although he did score another uh, touchdown on the ground. But um, we haven't seen one of those vintage Kyler like running for 80 yards and or anything like that so far this season no i mean behind the line of scrimmage on that one play sure but yeah not forward right (laughs) Um, Right. yeah i mean i i I talked about james connor going into this game and i was saying like you know i lowered him quite a bit he was like a i think he was outside of my rb2 range even just because i was like you're gonna get you know 50 yards and no touchdowns and that's pretty much what he gave you he he got a little bit more than that because he got a little bit in the passing game um but i remember also saying for this game you're gonna it's going to be like 7-3 at halftime, and you're going to wonder, why did I start anyone in this game? <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of how it played out. I mean, McCaffrey, sure. Uh, it was nice to actually see that he had nine catches for 81 yards. Uh, he didn't get the carries, but he got a lot of work in the passing game, which is what we've been wanting to see with McCaffrey. So ho- hopefully that'll continue so he can be like an Austin Eckler. Yeah, I just wonder how many times you know they had to tell Baker Mayfield to throw the ball to McCaffrey before he finally did it, but... Yeah, hey, you know, it worked. I mean, if Sam Darnold was healthy, I think Baker Mayfield would be getting benched right now because he's been so bad. I mean, I think he had – I don't even know how many balls he had deflected at the line of scrimmage in this game, but it was like – I think there was a sequence where it was like literally five passes in a row <laughs> where we're knocked down at the line of scrimmage. Um, oh, man. And he didn't learn his lesson. He didn't change anything. He didn't try to find throwing lanes. He just kept doing the same thing over and over again. It was, it was brutal, but – I didn't. I didn't mention the, the Arizona receivers. I know you. We both like saying the name Greg Dortch. I mean, I can't say it enough. But I feel like we're not going to be saying it a whole I lot know, moving forward. It's, potentially. That's sad. Rondell Moore. <laughs> it seems like has just got his role back. You know. So yeah. That that. I mean, I don't. How valuable that will be. I don't know. Especially because DeAndre Hopkins will be back soon now. Um, mm-hmm. But and this is not a great offense. I mean. Cliff Kingsbury is just not using Murray at all the way he should. I mean, he's using him like a traditional dropback passer. So, um, you know, Marquise Brown is still a good play. But as of right now, I I have trouble even seeing how Rondell Moore is going to be a thing, let alone Greg Dortch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And DJ Moore got 11 targets. I'll just point that out. Like you mentioned, how many times did they have to, you know, tell Baker to force feed McCaffrey? So, you know. DJ Moore, I don't know what to do with him. Baby steps, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's ba- right. It's baby steps. It's just like the Darnell Mooney one, but even more so. It's just like it's nice to see positive things here. If you're looking to 
to to buy one of these guys, make a trade. Um, maybe now's the time. Yeah, I mean, I just think like Moore is definitely a wide receiver three and not a wide receiver two at this point. And you just have to hope that Baker Mayfield eventually gets benched for Sam Darnold, which, yeah, you know, praying for Sam Darnold is a very weird place to be in. But that's that's where we are now. <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, next game, Packers 27, Patriots 24. Uh, Patriots are down a second-string quarterback, Brian Hoyer, and then he suffers a concussion. So then it's on a third-string quarterback, Bailey Zappi, uh, who actually <laughs> does okay, throws a touchdown pass. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we expected a lot of running on both sides in this game, and that's pretty much what we got in this game, a hard-fought, close game um, that was dominated by the running game. And uh, thankfully for me, because I have Aaron Rodgers, he did manage to throw a couple touchdown passes. But um, these, this is kind of like what we're <laughs> – this is kind of like the what we can hope for from Aaron Rodgers, 250 yards and two touchdowns. It's not, it's not quite the uh, weak-winning performances that we used to get from him. Very true. It was almost three, though. I mean, in overtime, he had that other deep ball to dubs, and he couldn't land – he couldn't take it to the ground. I thought that should have been a TD. It. Yeah. Yeah. It was close. Or I always say dubs now, but it's Dobbs. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dobbs I liked a lot going into this game. I think I'd ranked him close to a wide receiver two, if not a wide receiver two. And he almost had a really big day with that catch. But still had a touchdown. Still looks like, you know, kind of the 1A, 1B with Alan Lazard here. So mm-hmm. I think that's it's at least coming into to focus a little more with these with these receivers. Yeah. And I'm still waiting for that huge Aaron, A.J. Dillon game. I mean, Aaron Jones has been the better fantasy back pretty clearly so far uh not that dylan was bad in this game but i i feel like as the weather gets colder and it just gets you know november december in lambeau field like we're gonna see some big aj dylan games eventually yeah it looks like we get another london game in week five because they're playing the giants and i'm seeing 9 30 a.m so um we could have uh i mean you're gonna start both of those guys again oh yeah every week rb2s dylan uh rb2 jones almost pushing rb1 and then, yeah, Patriots running backs. I mean, you know, one interesting thing uh, about Damian Harris, he scored a touchdown. I saw Mike Clay uh, tweeted this. 17 of his last 20 games, he has at least one touchdown. Wow. It's really <laughs> impressive. And uh, It is. You know, I, I, I will admit that I've been kind of – I have both of these guys in leagues, but um, I had been kind of higher on Stevenson just because he does have more passing game chops than Harris but I mean Harris isn't going away and as long as he keeps finding the end zone I mean he's gonna he's gonna be that RB2 you can play every week all right I'm putting down Damian Harris as anytime touchdown for next week because they're facing the Lions oh my gosh (laughs) just ran all over so yeah okay all right that's I'm just putting just filing that away right now yeah take a note and let's not talk about the Patriots receivers Jacoby Myers is out for this game and you don't want to mess with any of these other guys nah all right, next game, Raiders 32, Broncos 23. Uh, I'll let you kick this one off. Where do you want to go? Sure. Um, I mean, the Raiders were desperate for a win. Uh, you know, I mean, I had uh, – I was going to mention with the Packers too just that I had uh, their them to win the game on the end of multiple bets, <laughs> and I was glad to see them come through. Uh, likewise, I'd bet the Raiders a couple different ways just because I just thought this is a team that had to win. You know, they play at Kansas City next week, then they have the bye week, so – if they didn't have a win going into their week six bye, like their season was pretty much over. So for real football, yeah, like, I, I convinced I'm glad you to, to see do the, that. You're welcome. You did. I know. <laughs> and I, I bet on them a couple different ways. So thank you for that. Hey, Damian Harris too. It's, it's going to, it's going to happen next week. Um, 
Josh Jacobs, I think, is the big story here. He had 28 carries, 144 yards, two touchdowns. He also had, you know, very heavily involved in the passing game and not a lot of other, you know, running backs are being involved. He's he's really getting that workhorse. Uh, he's just getting the he's getting that role. So, I mean, Jake, Josh Jacobs is a guy who a lot of people were probably getting in, like, that RB dead zone, and he's, he's producing like an RB1. Yeah, I mean, I wrote about that in my column at Fantasy Pros, too. Like, the, all summer, all we heard was, Zamir White's going to steal his job and, yep. as an early down back, and Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolden are going to be the passing down back. So Jacobs is never going to catch passes, and every all this stuff. And he's a total bell cow now. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. he dominated touches and snaps in this game. It wasn't even close. These other guys are bit players. Uh, it's it's the Josh Jacobs show, and I think he's like top fifteen fantasy back at this point. Um, yeah, he's looking good. Yeah, and of course the other big story was Javante Williams. Yeah, and that's arguably the biggest story of the week, I would say, for fantasy because he tore his ACL as well as I believe his PCL and uh, some other uh, ligaments in his knee. Uh, he's he's out for the season, and it could be a J.K. Dobbins situation where he's not even ready early on in next season so right uh brutal injury for fantasy managers brutal injury for Javante Williams and Broncos fans of course as well um but you know it was kind of fascinating because Melvin Gordon fumbled for the fourth time already this season (laughs) and got benched and Mike Boone came in and played so it's kind of it's an open question now which of these guys (laughs) will be the lead back I would expect them both to play but uh, does Gordon maybe just stay in the role he was in before and Boone ends up being the lead back like Javante Williams was before? It's it's possible, especially if Gordon can't hold on to the football. Yeah, it's definitely possible. And we'll we'll talk we'll see where we have Mike Boone ranked in waiver wire because and you know what, this might not be over because maybe neither is really the answer. And maybe they sign someone, maybe they make a trade, maybe they Maybe they have someone on their practice squad who they're going to bring up. I mean, it might not be either. Well, of actually, guys, it's funny honest. you mentioned that. My friend just texted me, and the Broncos are signing Latavius Murray off the Saints practice squad. For real? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, I might need to adjust my waiver wire rankings. Uh, I don't know if Latavius Murray is going to uh, want waltz in and do that, but I don't know. I guess he did look pretty good last week. So stranger things yeah. have happened. Yep. Um, I mean, as far as. You know, the wide receivers, Jerry Judy, I had ranked him pretty low because he was just not producing. But, you know, he had five targets. He caught four balls for 53 yards and a touchdown. Cortland Sutton had a touchdown. So if you start either of those guys, you're you're happy. And, of course, Devontae Adams on the other side. Just target monster. He's probably going to lead the league in targets this year. Yeah, I thought Russell Wilson actually played well in this game. It was the first time all season that he looked to be in sync with the offense, um, both with his legs and throwing the football. I thought this was easily his best game of the season. So, uh, if you've been suffering through Russell Wilson so far this year, I think this gives you some reason for hope. Now, granted, the Raiders are a terrible defense, so that helps too. But, yeah, um, but yeah I, I I feel more optimistic coming out of this game about Russell Wilson as well as, uh, of course, Josh Jacobs. Well, the last game we have is the Chiefs, and they play the Raiders next week. So, man, we're going to start our Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is the Monday night game, and uh, the Chiefs won 41-31, to and... As good as that Buccaneers defense is, they had no chance. <laughs> no <laughs> chance against Patrick Mahomes. He just played with them. Uh, three touchdown passes, uh, including a pretty miraculous one <laughs> where he, with improvisation. Um, yep. 
Clyde Edwards Alaire, we tweeted each other about this. Like the touchdown regression did not come <laughs> in this game. Nope. Two uh two more touchdowns for Clyde Edwards Alaire, even though um, you know, he's not a bell cow back or anything like that. Um although, you know, he did get nineteen carries in this game for ninety two yeah. yards. So that was also, I guess, somewhat encouraging if you're a CEH manager. Uh, and interestingly, Isaiah Pacheco seemed to have overtaken Jarek McKinnon uh, as the second back there as well. So uh, I yeah. don't know if this was specific to game. You know, Andy Reid is always full of tricks up his sleeve. So I don't know if this was <laughs> specific to game planning against Tampa or what, but definitely the backfield looks a little different than it did at this time last week. Yeah, and the Pacheco one is interesting, I think, because, you know, just having like having the potential handcuff to CEH, but also someone who – I mean, he ran really well, too. Every time he ran the ball, he ran hard. He got up. He was fired up. Like, this guy, he was just running, you know, just he was he, he was running really well. So, he's a good he's a he's a good guy. Maybe we'll talk about him in a, in a minute on waiver wire. But for the receivers, I mean, Kelsey's the only person you can really trust here, right? Yep. Yep. It's just like Mahomes told us. It's going to be a different receiver every week. <laughs> That's right. Um, or none. In this case, it was uh, the only other touchdown pass um, besides uh, CEH and Kelsey went to Jody Fortson. So none of the wide receivers caught touchdowns in this game. But I was happy to see Brady get Godwin back. You know, he's looking better with some of his weapons back. Um, Mike Godwin Evans, had 10 too. Targets. Man, he looked yeah. good. Yeah, just catching touchdowns. I mean, really, this is what we've – I think even though the Bucks lost this, like I'm, I'm glad to see Fournette, you know, find the end zone even though it was uh, on, a, on a pass play, not, not a run. Just pretty much all the Bucks, you know, did what you wanted them to do, right? Yep, yep. It's very encouraging for Brady. It's very encouraging for uh, Mike Evans and Godwin. And, yeah, Fournette, I mean, he ran three times for negative three yards, so that wasn't great. Uh, no. But he did, get, he did get that passing, that late receiving touchdown to kind of salvage his day. Um, I will say, though, that he pretty much split snaps evenly with Rashad White in this game, which was interesting to see. And I don't know if that's... Yeah a sign of things to come or not. But, um, you know, Fournette had really been a bell cow up until this game. And then suddenly that changed this week. Uh, so I don't know, maybe Rashad White just had a really good week of practice and uh, Todd Bowles wanted to reward him, but we'll have to keep an eye on those snaps going forward. Yeah. Well, like you said, they only, they both had three carries them, you know, each. And I mean, the bucks were behind the eight ball from the opening kickoff when it was fumbled. And then Mahomes, you know, they scored right away. So it was like, they were playing from behind the whole game, and obviously they just passed the ball the whole game. So it'll be a little different situation, you know, moving forward in some of the games where the Bucks, you know, establish the run a little bit more in the beginning. They play Atlanta this week at home, so I think we'll see a little bit different game script. We could. I just think Rashad White is a talented player, and you know, it could be. You you mentioned teams wanting to get their rookies more involved as the season goes along. This yep. is another one to watch for that. I think. Yep. All right, let's move on to the waiver wire. And as always, we will start at the quarterback position, and we will start, uh, as always, talking about players who are rostered in 50% or fewer of Yahoo leagues, although we will occasionally break our own rule and talk about guys <laughs> in that 50 to 60% range as well, just to make sure you don't miss out on any obvious ads. And let's start at um, quarterback. Who's your number one ad of the week? Well, I'll go ahead and break the rule and say Jared Goff at 52%. I mean, we talked about him enough. I Like I said, I was down on him when he was losing all his receivers, and then he just went and had this great game against Seattle even without his top two options. So, yeah, I mean, if, if Jared Goff is still available, I mean, he's he's kind of an every-week play for me. Again, we'll see uh, how the rankings shake out this week against at New England. That might be a tough one, um, like you said, but 
I don't know. I think he's one of those guys you can just kind of play and not even worry about it right now. So he's number one for me. If he can light up the Patriots, then I will definitely <laughs> be sold on that. I still feel like right now, for me, he's a little more matchup dependent. Um, but really, I would probably play. I would be comfortable starting him in a 12-team league in like two-thirds of matchups. But on the yeah. road against the Patriots, that's might be one that doesn't quite make the cut for me. He's still my top ad because if you need a quarterback rest of season, like he could be your guy, you know? Yeah. Um, Geno Smith also, like, yep. could he be your guy rest of season? Possibly. <laughs> uh, he's as a, he also has a tough matchup at new Orleans. Um, you know, if you're looking for like a, if you truly want to stream the position and you're just trying to find the best matchup in each individual week, I, they're like, I, could see myself we'll see what happens with Jameis Winston but like if Jameis Winston is back and Kamara and Michael Thomas are back this week they're facing Seattle so <laughs> I'd probably mm-hmm. rank Winston ahead of Goff uh, and Geno Smith um, just based on the matchups uh, Carson Wentz also has a great matchup home against Tennessee so you know I, I I certainly don't want Carson Wentz as my rest of season starter, but for that matchup, I feel like he he's gonna probably put up good numbers. Um, and then we well we talked about Kenny Pickett. You know, for me, he's a stash, um, but he's at Buffalo, so he's gonna be way down my rankings this week. Yeah, you you haven't mentioned Zach Wilson yet. He's actually my number three. Uh, you know, he's only ten ten percent rostered. He had an okay you know game in his first game back. They play Miami at home next week. Uh, then they have a couple tough road games at Green Bay, at Denver. Um, so he might he might struggle. I mean, the, the schedule's hard, but I think he's he's a guy who, coming into the season before the injury, a lot of people were kind of excited to see what he could do in year two. So he's got some really good receivers. Um, so he's got some upside. I like Zach Wilson. Interesting. I, I would still yeah. prefer Daniel Jones over Zach Wilson, I think. Um, yeah, I mentioned Daniel Jones is currently the QB 13 and he did get banged up last week. So we'll need to make sure he's healthy. They're also at green Bay this week. So that's not a great matchup either. But um, to me, like Daniel Jones, like, you know, Kenny Pickett, it's like, you're hoping he can be Daniel Jones basically, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you're in a super flex league, then obviously go out and get Teddy Bridgewater. Um, It's uh, two has already ruled out for, (laughs) this next week so uh you gotta you gotta get the quarterbacks where you can bailey zappy yeah there you go <laughs> yeah i mean they're they're playing they're playing detroit if he gets the start i mean i don't know belichick will have a nice game plan for him i'm sure they'll run the ball a ton but you know super flex you know you, any you warm body will do yeah <laughs> that's right yeah all right so let's move on to running back and i feel like this is actually one of the best waiver. this could be one of the better running back waiver wire weeks of the entire season um to me, there's like at least three and maybe four guys you can look at, maybe even five you could look at as like priority ads this week. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to start off with Raheem Mostert, though, um, which isn't the sexiest name. Um, he is 50% rostered already. Uh, but like we said, it was basically like a 75 25 snap split over at Chase Edmonds last week. Um, yep. And I still think this is an offense that can run the ball. Um, they should be able to run the ball under Mike McDaniel. And uh, especially with Bridgewater under center, they're probably going to try to run the ball more. So um, they, they're at the Jets this week. I, I could see Mostert having a big game. He's my number one as well. Uh, I, 
I, I would say Brian Robinson would be my number one. He's 54% uh, rostered, but it's sort of it, it's close between the two of them. I mean, we already know what, what Mostert's role is, so Brian Robinson's more of the upside, uh, the unknown, like you said, which I think this is a week where it's like you have guys with the upside, the unknown, like we talked about Isaiah Pacheco, Rashad White, who are like 27%. Pacheco's 19% rostered. White is 27% rostered. I think both are really good options. I'd, I'd rank them probably... I don't know. I'd, I think I'd rank him white over Pacheco, mm-hmm. but it's close. And then you have all these options of like these guys we talked about getting injured that we need to kind of figure out like, well, who's it going to be if you need like a guy now for the next week or two? Um, then it just depends. Like if you're a team that has a lot of good running backs and you don't need someone, I would add a Pacheco or a Rashad White. If you need a running back, maybe there's some other guys we could talk about, you know? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like the top tier is Mostert, Robinson, Brian Robinson, and then Mike Boone. Mm-hmm. I would say Naheem Hines is, I mean, I'll mention he's 62% rostered, but like he'd probably be in this conversation too, just because Taylor is banged, Jonathan Taylor's banged up. Um, And then there's the whole Atlanta situation, which I'm not eager to invest in really just because, um, you know, Tyler Algier had a nice game, but Caleb Huntley did too. And then Damian Williams is going to be back in a week from IR. So that's messy. And Patterson's only going to miss four games anyway. So there's just a lot of cooks in the kitchen there. Uh, it's kind of hard to sort through. Like, I wouldn't mind stashing one of those guys, but it's kind of like, I don't know which one's the best, you know, which one you want. So I wouldn't, like, throw a ton of fab at Tyler or Algier or anything. Like, he'd be the one I'd take first, but, like, I'd be just as happy to just get Damian Williams for, for a penny, you know? <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then I feel like there's other categories of pickups beyond those, like, priority guys. I think it's, like, the upside stashes I would put, Rashad White in that category. I'd put Pacheco in that category. Kenneth Walker is now under 50% rostered, so I think he belongs in that category mm. as well. And then Jalen yep. Warren with the Steelers. Like I, like I've said, I think he's showing more juice than Najee Harris is. So uh, that's another one to keep an eye on uh, for potential upside. I know that offense is not as dynamic as Tampa Bay or Kansas City, but um, still, he, he's looked good when given the opportunity, much like Pacheco has. Yeah, and you just mentioned Latavius Murray news. I mean, he's only 1% rostered, so you know, I I would prioritize Mike Boone over him, but kind of like what you said there, like I'd almost rather just get Latavius Murray for a dollar or two uh if if other people aren't really paying attention over over Mike Boone for potentially like, you know, 15 or 20% of your of your fab or something. Yeah, it's really hard to know what's going to happen with that cuz Murray did look yeah. decent last week. Um and maybe maybe they just want to go with the veteran, but you know, Mike Boone has been. There's always been a contingent of people that love Mike Boone. <laughs> um, he's kind of like I think he's he's one of those like workout warriors, like great metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, never really had an extended opportunity to be a, a, an NFL uh, lead back, but um, I mean, the most likely scenario is probably still that Melvin Gordon is is the guy there. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I do think that the Murray, the Latavius Murray. Uh, signing does uh, reduce my enthusiasm for Boone a little bit just because it's one more cook in the kitchen there. Well, you mentioned Naheem Hines, who's 62% rostered. Yeah. And if if Taylor is out, um, you know, Deion Jackson, I guess he could get some run, but they also still have Philip Lindsay on the practice squad, I saw. Yeah, so I actually, him up. Uh, Frank Reich was quoted today, I believe, saying that if Jonathan Taylor is out, that Philip Lindsay's going to get some run. So it sounds like yeah. Lindsay is ahead of Deion Jackson. Maybe Deion Jackson was just active for special teams purposes. That's that's often what we'll see with the third running back on game day. So um, I would prioritize Lindsay over Jackson. But again, it's 
it's it's a low priority because uh, yeah. Jonathan Taylor is probably only going to miss one week, and this is an offense that's really struggling anyway. Um, yep. A few other short-term options you can consider. I mean, J.D. McKissick, if you just need a plug-and-play, like, he, yep. he's a good plug-and-play. 28% rostered, home against Tennessee. Like, he'll be fine, you know? Yep. Um, Mark Ingram, uh, especially now that Murray is no longer <laughs> with the Saints, yep. is, is going to keep his role, and we now know that. And Kamara's uh, no lock to play next week either. So I think Ingram is a fine short-term option. Uh, well, we would see what happens there. Craig Reynolds is still the number two running back for the Lions. Um, and then we mentioned Lindsay as well for deeper leagues. Well, you know, just real quick before we go to wide receivers, you mentioned Murray, you know, the Murray trade and Kamara. Like that, that tells me a little bit that maybe Kamara is, is ready to come back, you know, if they're willing to, to ship, to ship Murray off. I mean, they have some other guys. They got there, Tony, Tony Jones, Jones, man. Yeah. They've got some other, <laughs> but he was inactive. I mean, they've got some other guys, but that tells me Kamara is probably pretty close, right? Maybe. Or they just don't think that much of Latavius Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Did they watch the game? Come on. <laughs> well, you know, there's all this weird roster stuff because, like, they had him on their practice squad so they could, like, elevate him for the game. But then I think oh, to make true. him, like, a permanent member of their roster, they'd have to get rid of somebody or something. So, yeah. who knows? Or they have to pay him. Yeah. Pay him more. Yeah, right. <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Wide receiver. Um, I mentioned Robert Woods. Uh, he's 63% rostered, but I think he'd have to be near the top of the list because Traylon Burks has turf toe. It's going to miss a few weeks. But, this is a this is a pretty intriguing week, I think, for wide receiver pickups too. Um, yep. Yeah, I've been talking about Michael Gallup for a while now, and uh, like I said, went right back into an early down or an every down roll, caught a touchdown. Uh, I I really like Michael Gallup. I think he's going to be a wide receiver three every week and possibly a wide receiver two uh, once Dak Prescott gets back. So uh, he would be my number one, and then Isaiah McKenzie, who I talked about before, would be a close second for me. Okay, I have him flip flopped. I would actually go McKenzie one, Gallup two, um, but yeah, sure, I could I could go either way. I'll just mention too, Darnell Mooney is fifty six percent rostered. We talked about him at the beginning, so like if you believe that things are on the up, go for it. But honestly, I'd like these guys better than him at this point. And my number three is George Pickens yeah. at thirty nine percent because as well. yeah, like I mean, and if you want to if you want to prioritize him, if you think that like maybe the Pickett to Pickens you know combo <laughs> is going to be there. I mean, it, it could. Like, he, Pickens could be better than Deontay Johnson rest of the season. We don't know. I mean, if Pickens, if, if Pickett is the starter, um, we could see it. that We saw it in the second half of that game. So, um, I don't hate that if you want to prioritize George Pickens. Yeah, I mean, I love George Pickens' talent. Like, I, I feel like he's, like, everything people wanted Chase Claypool to be, like, George Pickens is, you know? Um, but it's going to be a rookie quarterback. <laughs> it's it's going to be some growing pains. I I have real doubts about the Steelers offense still in terms of like being a high scoring offense. So uh, yeah, I like Pickens, but I definitely pre- prefer Gallup and McKenzie by a fair amount just because they're, they're going to be in these powerhouse offenses. Um, but like you said, Pickett, I mean, wasn't his first pass an interception? Like he was out there firing and George Pickens can, <laughs> he can make some crazy catches. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, like I said, he's my number three as well. I just, um, I, uh, just, just you know, people always get really excited about these rookies, but um, there'll probably be some ups and downs. They're kind of like what we're seeing with Garrett Wilson right now. Um, yeah. Other guys to think about, you know, Jacoby Myers was out last week, but in PPR, he's always a good option whenever healthy, and they're facing Detroit this week. So even if it's Bailey Zappi, a quarterback, um, that could be a lot of short passes to Jacoby Myers, I think. Yep. Um, and on the other side of that game, both, you know, the Lions – 
we, we need to just keep watching what happens here. But DJ Chark is 38% rostered. Josh Reynolds is mm-hmm. 20%. Uh, I feel like whichever one of those guys emerges as like the number two receiver is going to have wide receiver three value in fantasy league. So I wouldn't mind stashing either of those guys and just kind of taking a wait and see approach with it. Yeah, I think Josh Reynolds is a good call. Uh, I have him uh, after after Pickens. I actually have Corey Davis, who's twenty five percent rostered. Next. Yeah, and then uh, and then I have Josh Reynolds, and then I have your boy Alec Pierce, who's five percent. I mean, he's you know he's not getting the usage yet, um, but he's it's showing up in the box score, and I think he seems to be like a guy who can make plays, a guy Matt Ryan is trusting. So I just think that's another. As you know, another kind of higher upside guy, kind of like Pickens. Yeah, I like that. And then I'll I'll throw out Zay Jones, another guy who did not play last week, but looks to pretty clearly be the number two receiver uh, in Jacksonville when healthy. And like I said, I still I still think uh, the arrow is pointing up for Trevor Lawrence in that passing game. So uh, he's an interesting option. Kadarius Tony, if you're willing to be patient, like eventually it should happen. He's only twenty seven percent rostered. It's just like he's too talented compared to everyone else in that receiving core to not get an opportunity at some point soon. Yeah. Um, wanted to point out too, you mentioned the Detroit receivers. Jamison Williams is only 28% rostered. So if you, if you have a, a spot to stash him, he could be back, you know, week six, week seven, somewhere in that area. So you never know. Yeah, no, he's on my list as well, especially yep. if you can stash him in IR. That's, that's a no brainer. Exactly. Right? Um, yep. And then, you know, there's a, f- a few guys that are really dependent on other players being out, but, uh, I know Matt Collins didn't quite come through for me last week, although he really almost caught a touchdown. I think it like <laughs> just barely was out of bounds. Um, I you know if if I don't know what the deal is with Hunter Renfro. I mean he's now missed two games with a concussion, and sometimes these things can just linger, you know. So if yeah. he continues to be out there at Kansas City this week, they're going to need Matt Collins if they don't have Hunter Renfro in that game. Uh, and same thing with Josh Palmer. I mean it, you know it was disappointing last week, but. If if Keenan Allen misses another game there at Cleveland, I think I would be willing to give Palmer another shot as a wide receiver three uh, if, if Keenan Allen misses again. I agree with that. All right, moving on to tight end. <clears throat> uh, who's your number one? It's not the most exciting week for tight ends, but then again, most <laughs> weeks are not. No, it's honestly like we've talked about Tyler Conklin a bunch. He's 42% rostered still, and the usage was still there, even with Zach Wilson. So like he's got to be the number one right yep, I mean, he's my else? number one for sure yeah like i mean at some point it's like don't worry about that he's like with the jets or that his name is tyler conklin or that he's never done much before like we've seen guys come out of the woodwork at the tight end position and have good years and this might just be a thing yep yep so and then it's kind of a falls off a cliff after that which is why i say the number two pickup is Taysom hill <laughs> because oh. because honestly like if i had to start a tight end next week as long as Jameis is out yeah, I, I just don't. Uh, they're gonna use Taysom Hill again for sure. You know, like they're not gonna just have Andy Dalton drop back to pass forty times. Like it's they're gonna feature Hill kind of like they did last week. I think he's got a pretty good chance of scoring a rushing touchdown against Seattle. Like, yeah, you know that's something point. you should bet on right there. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, you know, so it's like if you told me what you know because the guys i have uh, the other guys i have on the list are guys like irv smith logan thomas Mm -hmm. robert tanyan evan ingram hayden hurst i I would take Taysom hill's chances at scoring a touchdown significantly over any of those guys if Jameis winston's out yeah i mean that those are all kind of the usual suspects we've talked about you know pretty much week after week i'll say one other name 
Will Disley, talk about scoring touchdowns. He's caught a touchdown in three or four games. So it's, I mean, if he does it again, I mean, like, you know, at some point, that's, that's kind of all you need to be like a top 10 tight end. Yeah. And now so. that, and now that with Geno Smith, the uh, Seahawks are Lions West. Pro Bowl. Right? So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the West Coast Avengers. Okay. All right. How about some streaming defenses? Yeah. Well, I love the Jaguars defense. I think they're really good. I would, mm-hmm. you know, I they were not a team you would play against Philly, but they get Houston this week at home. So, uh, and actually, I believe the Jaguars have a, a number of good matchups coming up. So they're a defense you can pick up and actually use for like a month or something like that. I would prioritize them for sure. Okay, that's a good one. I think my number one would be Minnesota. Uh, if you're just looking for like, I mean, I stream defenses in a lot of leagues just week after week. Um, I'm already looking ahead to next week, ranking some of my top defenses are ones that are rostered everywhere, which are like the Bills, Packers, Bucks, Niners. They're, they all have really good matchups, but then then it starts to kind of fall off a little bit, and like the Vikings are hosting the Bears at home, so that's a really good matchup. Yeah, Vikings are definitely my number two. I'd say the Dolphins at home against the Jets would be my number three. Um, and then after that, it's not as great, but... The Saints are fifty four percent rostered. If they're available, they're home against Seattle. Not bad, and the yeah. and the Panthers maybe home against Forty Niners. Eh. I mean, if yeah, Panthers defense is actually pretty decent. It's just that their offense keeps putting them in bad positions. <laughs> yeah, see if you can get the Jags or the Vikings. I think those are the those are the really good ones at the top. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right, kickers. You want to do that? <laughs> I don't. You can. <laughs> well, I mean, I was like number one for kicker accuracy last year. So, hey, uh, hey you know, <laughs> uh, Greg Joseph is uh, home against the Bears. I like that setup a lot for him. Robbie Gould uh, is at Carolina. These are games where the game script should be favorable to these teams uh, kicking some second half field goals. Riley Patterson as well, home against the Jags, as, as I mentioned. And then Graham Gano. This guy is just – he's just one of those kickers that's, like, better uh, than people realize in fantasy because he's got a big leg. He can make 50-yard kicks. And the Giants um, don't have – they don't score a lot of touchdowns. They have a pretty decent defense, so they they tend to be in close games. And uh, they they just feature a lot of field goals. So he's been – scoring double digits every week. And uh, at Green Bay, it's not the easiest uh, matchup, but I still like him as well. Anyone you want to talk about, like, uh, drops, you know? Yeah, well, we can always look at the list. I think you can drop Devontae Williams, sadly, and you can drop Greg Dortch. Um, People are (laughs) dropping Julio Jones. I I mean, I guess I don't have a problem with that. I still see some upside there, but, uh, you know, you don't know how many games he's going to play, and they've got a lot of other options right now. You agree with that? Yeah, Over, over under he plays, what? Four and a half more games this year. Yeah. Like I have no, I have zero problem dropping Julio. I also would have no problem dropping Chase Claypool. We just got done talking about him. If if people, you know, if he's still rostered in leagues just because of Steelers fans or the name and what he's done before, maybe his rookie year, drop him. Yeah. <laughs> what about Traylon Burks? A lot of people are dropping him. <clears throat> yeah, I think in redraft it's fine. Like he's a guy that if you hold on to him for a couple weeks, like turf toe can be a thing that could linger for three four weeks and then when he comes back i mean he hasn't really been that productive anyway uh i don't like dropping a guy like that but at the same time bye weeks are coming in week six so you're gonna start turning this and in fact i think they i think the titans might even have a bye week six so yeah you're you're gonna probably end up dropping him then anyway so i have no problem with that yeah and again if you have an ir spot i really like stashing him because he does have a lot of upside but in a redraft format without ir spots i agree i think i think he can go uh jarek mckinnon can probably go at this point. I mean, 
considering yep. he was third on the depth chart uh, last night. Um, Cordell Patterson, I would not drop. I'd stash him on IR or, you know, even if you don't have IR spot, I, I wouldn't really want to drop him because I feel like he's going to, he could easily be an RB2 in the second half of the season. What about, uh, what about Tua? Um, I mean, I know, I don't want to like get into all of the controversy and stuff going on around it, but like, would you hold on to him for another week and kind of see what happens? In a single QB league, I wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> I I yeah. had my doubts that he'd be a top twelve quarterback even after he had that six touchdown game or whatever. <laughs> um, right. So, yeah, I, I I I don't think that he needs to be held in a single QB league. In superflex, of course, you're you're going to hold on to him. Yeah, I'm with you. Pick up a Jared Goff or some of those guys we talked we're talking about for sure. Yeah. Yep. All right. I think that about yep. wraps it up for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Bart and I will, as always, have our uh, weekly week five rankings up at rosrankings.com later this week, either on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, we'll have updated rest of season rankings at rosrankings.com on Thursday as well. And you can always ask us start to questions or waiver wire questions or whatever questions you have on Twitter. I'm at Andrew underscore Seifter. And I am at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.